2: Yes, indeed. There are bright spots and there are the reality that we're in the Biden feudalism period. It's so aggravating to get ready for the show, and I have all the televisions on here in Studio Xanadu. And right across NBC News, Zelensky tells, well, I believe it said asks, Biden to declare Russia a terrorist state. Well, why not make our own policy, our foreign policy? You are already receiving billions upon billions upon billions 800 million every time you ask for it, not to mention we're fighting a proxy war. You should make our foreign policy. And in the meantime, everyone will look aside at your own very corruption, $600 million, or the fact that you're a tool of Ihor Kolomoysky, or the fact that you bought the Biden family, so you should make our foreign policy. And I wasn't going to start this way, but it reminds me of exactly the real threat that Donald Trump was to the corrupt war machine america has
3: become has been treated the way it is right now other countries are lecturing us and telling us what to do and that's why we are seeing chaos and mayhem and bloodshed all over the world never been a time like it meanwhile you have warmongers like this crazy liz cheney she's a nut job and adam adam Kinzig, you ever see him he gets on television he cries all the time he starts crying i don't know governor is that an actor or is he serious he's now, what's funny is
2: liz cheney since this happened liz cheney raises seven million dollars and we don't know from who something tells me it also fits her father's portfolio adam kinzinger's got his own little pack raising millions itself not to mention look at the turmoil since this guy had his office stolen from him
3: all the time we call him crying adam kinzinger And the other neocons who have never found a war that they did not want. And by the way, we got everything we wanted. We didn't have to go to war. They don't mind our soldiers and other people and other soldiers from other countries dying. They don't think about that. In the name of democracy, they destroyed Syria, Libya, Iraq and Afghanistan. I brought our soldiers back home, leaving a trail of devastation and suffering. Rarely has the world seen anything like it. And remember that with Ukraine, I sent the javelins that you see are so effective against the tanks. Biden they sent didn't. them with And in fact, he ended our last order. Probably it'll get there because everyone realized it was the right thing to do. And-
2: they had to get him out of the way and now they got everything they want. And now we have Zelensky, somebody who is under suspicion of corruption at the very time he now becomes the world's Winston Churchill. Only this time he's got the Nazis. He is a comedian who has time to get his hair cut every time I see him. He does make me laugh my ass off. But when they get to make our foreign policy, I get irritated. I get irritated with it. I really, really do. Um, but there's a bright spot. And the bright spot is there are 21 states fighting back against this corrupt bastard that some people call president. I don't. As he shakes hands with a flag. Over the border, Governor Ron DeSantis sending a message to migrants making their way to Florida. Do not come. All this as 21 states file suit over Biden's rollback of Title 42. Florida Attorney General... See, that's big. That is big. Those 21 states will be the one that implement Article 5. Those 21 states will be the resistance. And there will be a resistance, believe me, because what you're seeing in shanghai is what will happen the next time they try to shut down here in these democrat mafia run states the exact same thing so it's a bright spot to see 21 states come together and say no 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 listen here dummy listen here you corrupt political whore you don't get to make up rules and pick them out of your diaper anymore you can't restrict the american people and then allow the chaos at the southern border you're allowing and i love that texas is shipping i don't know i think we're on our fourth busload Sooner or later, they're going to run out of patience here. Be one of them, she joins me now. A.G. Moody, great to have you. Look, we all know that this rollback will be disastrous, but what legal arguments are you making to try
4: and stop
5: it? Well, great, and good morning, Todd. I, you know, I think even Democrats are calling this a frightening proposal to roll back the tidy, Title 42 order. And as you know, this is what gave the administration The ability to turn back migrants, uh, not go through the normal immigration process, turn back migrants at the border. And there are some estimates that there are 25,000 just sitting outside the border waiting to pour in, that this will increase those pouring into our country by 18,000 a day.
2: See, the law is very simple. You're just a president. That used to not be a king. Now it's a king. You don't get to pick and choose which laws you like. We have laws in this country. Twenty-one states are demanding that you abide by those laws. Now, you haven't issued an executive order, and it wouldn't be legal anyway, to change that law. You can't get Congress to do it. In the meantime, you're just doing what Democrats do, operate in corruption, and hope nobody calls you out on the mat. Well, there's 21 states that do it. The law is on our side. The problem is we have to get political people who want to enforce and press upon the law. The idea that we are having discussions. I I, I know that the top story on many shows is Elon Musk and Amazon. That is an interesting topic. Or I'm sorry, Twitter, excuse me. That is an interesting topic because Twitter proved itself to be two years ago an arm of the Democrat Party in this country. They proved themselves to be practicing in propaganda specifically authorized by the Democrat Mafia. So to me, to buy it, that day is past. That window is closed. I'd like to see, and I think this is what Elon Musk is going to do. He's going to back off the bid and open competition. That's the way you do it. And the way that you beat this fascistic government is through states like Texas, states like Florida, states like the other 19 that are going to use the rule of law as the shield against this corrupt political whore who has, unfortunately, a fantasy. He has an imaginary friend, and he shakes his hand after speeches.
5: That's a small city every single day. And so we have pushed back along with 20 other states. Uh, we're, we're arguing that this has not been thought through. There is no plan. No plan to combat this overwhelming surge that will occur as a result. But this is par for the course with this administration. Uh, they make policy decision after policy decision without any forethought or long-term st- strategic plan. And it's disastrous for our country. What's
2: Hold on, that's a woman. She's a woman. She's the AG from Florida. I know the Democrats hate her. After all, she's not espousing fascism great about your suit is that you use the Biden administration's COVID policies against them. Basically, look, if COVID has gone away for purposes of Title 42 Biden administration, then why are you keeping mask mandates in place on planes and other forms of public transportation? It is a great argument. What possible response could they have to that argument? They have none. See, because what they're doing is picking winners and losers in the same way As they're uh, paying for college education, only the people that don't want to pay their debt back. And the ones that did, forget about you. And they're making the people who work do it. The bricklayers, the carpenters, the working man. I don't know why they don't get free F-150s. After all, they need that for work.
5: And this shows the hypocrisy of this administration. As you know, I've led uh, dozens of states pushing back on the public transportation mandate. And I said when I filed, look, don't rest on their statements that they're going to rescind this soon. You know, the
2: public transportation mandate. This is another window for lawyers. If only there were good lawyers, not just the kind of Democrat scum that want to get on the Table of Wisdom LLC investment group with those two crooked Cook County judges and Ed Burke. So they could steal property auctioned properties, tax auctioned properties, excuse me. But if there were good lawyers that could say, you know, every one of your solutions not only is riddled with corruption, but it leads to big problems. Because you're forcing people to take public transportation, yet in these Democratic hellholes, you know, the ones that you say are utopia, the ones that your party has destroyed over our last hundred years, it seems to be dangerous to ride on public transportation.
5: Right now, roughly 40,000 people ride the CTA every day. But with 10 attacks on the transit system since Monday, we're asking the city what they're doing or what they can be doing better.
6: Great questions, right? CBS 2's Marissa Parr, live from the Washington stop along the Blue Line this morning. Marissa.
7: Brian Adrina, among that tally that you just mentioned, it was three attacks yesterday morning involving four different people robbed at gunpoint as they were trying to get around Chicago. Now, those attacks yesterday morning spanned from Lawndale to Edgewater on both the pink and the red
5: lines. But attacks on the CTA, well, we know they're not new. Last year, our crews were able to
2: get a. I I say you sue Lori Lightfoot if you got one of those free CTA rides as an accomplice. After all, she lured you into the trap of being robbed, pillaged, and raped glimpse of the cta's
5: cameras more than thirty thousand of them but recently the cta has not been releasing any videos or photos that they may have captured as these crimes continue wait a
2: minute we paid for those cameras probably from one of your cousins that spends the holidays with a cork on his fork sure you just use his name on an llc to launder tens of millions of dollars but isn't that video ours the people you mean you get to hide that from us and shanghai is the bad government huh huh
5: we went to a security expert for his take on what the city can be doing better. Here's a question.
8: What do you think it is? And it's critical for the success and, you know, economics of the city that we, we've got to invest in more actually uniformed
2: police. No, 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 no. You just voted for defund the police. No, no, no. You don't get any police. In fact, let's take half of them away. Let the Democrat morons wallow in the policies of failure and corruption that they seem to vote for every election cycle. Let them wallow. We got 21 states putting up a fight. All the good people, like the Titanic, only this time you don't have to push somebody out of the lifeboat. Get in your little car this weekend. It's a long weekend. Most people have today off. Not me, not Macbeth, not Bunny. And go to one of the good states, or at least leverage your property. Because I just had a Chicagoan contact me. This is a great story. No more than seven months ago bought a house from me and he said boy my neighbor's house went up for sale just this all just happened today can you find out the price i said sure i can sure i can it doubled same house across the street that's what it's like in good states run on good policies by good people that implement safety of course there's very few democrats in those areas let the democrats wallow in their own quicksand it's time to go to high ground three one two 642-5600. I'll take your calls when I get back.
9: AM560, the answer.
2: You know, those 21 states are also the ones that are implementing voter integrity laws. As the rest of the Democrat sewer states know exactly what they have to do to stay in power, legalize cheating. After all, look at how much you can control once you have stolen the office that's not popular but here's the good news i'm not on youtube another quasi government propaganda company so i could say what i want the good old days free speech i could also say a president who shakes hands with the air should be removed he's a moron just yet another piece of evidence all right let's go to the lines 312-642-5600 brett love the name morton grove hey
10: sean this- and i'm calling because i caught your show today and i just wanted to say i see a couple things happening the government seems to be building a scaffold against us they've been doing it for decades they uh like you get these uh, crazy guys that go around and shoot people up on the subway like what happened in new york the other day
11: yeah. so they want to
10: grab our guns and then then they're going to raise the gas prices up so much that we're going to be forced to drive the drive on the uh, cta to get to work
2: brett i, I the insanity mm-hmm. of during a so-called pandemic when you say it's the most dangerous time and you're forcing people to take subways the reason is brett because they need that excuse to consistently waste your money on the infrastructure no one needs and the buildings that they have to move three feet and the city of chicago pays a billion dollars and then somebody gets hit in the head with a rock that's just part of the deal and then they get to constantly build on their failure that's the plan what we need to do as a society is make sure these children these morons these corrupt Democrats are ripped out of office or go to an area where they would be laughed at because those 21 states have a very small Democrat population. It's time to run to high ground. Teresa in the Gold Coast.
7: Hi, Sean. You know, grocery shopping has become so depressing. I mean, I can't believe the inflation. And here's here's an example just not even for me. I mean, I have two cats, one three ounce can of wet cat food used to be sixty cents. Now one three ounce can of wet cat food is one dollar and nineteen cents.
2: It's uh, nuts. doubled it. Well, the good news is you're going to need that cat because if things go the way it looks, you're going hes going to be on a baguette soon. So keep him fat. Pay the dollar twenty. It'll pay off in the long time. You got to just put wrap him in salt in the freezer. He'll last a long time because that's <laughs> the way it goes when people follow. these democrat policies there's always an upside teresa keep them fat thank you very much for the call inflation doesn't mean anything it's just another way they can divide the nation the clip that's astonishing is that they pretend to represent the very people they harm sooner or later these areas are going to wake up i just don't know when that is but sooner or later they'll have to wake up especially when they realize how they're being manipulated how they're being played And when you hear stories like this that should outrage everybody, hopefully that will be a time when it changes. Chicago's launching a new basic income program. It gives city
1: residents
2: $500 a month starting in April. Payments will last for a year. Residents must be over 18 and have experienced economic hardship due to COVID. And they must be Democrats. This will not go to Republicans in order to qualify. They also need to be below 250% of the federal poverty level. Now, wait a minute. That sounds like a lot. Below 250% of the poverty level. How much is that? Sold of three can't have an income higher than $58,000 to be eligible. $58,000? So if you make 57, you're eligible for this? This is the same nonsense that they did years ago when they would buy the winos a bottle of Ripple. They're buying votes. And you know the saddest part about it? It'll work. In April, Mayor Lori Lightfoot plans to launch another pilot program that lets low-income motorists pay off old tickets without interest. I say you don't pay a damn thing. Let them come and get you. You know, at the time of my mother's demise, if she would have wandered into Chicago, they would have arrested her like she was a serial killer. I never paid a ticket in Chicago. And now what are you going to do? You said that there's a sense of urgency. Oh, wait, I wanted to play another. Sad, sad reality of living in the city of Chicago. Developing tonight, a 14-year-old shot on the west side
12: and left to die in an alley. The family has identified the young victim as Malik Smith. Police found the teen near Lawndale and West Flournoy around 2 o'clock this afternoon. Detectives canvassed the area, collecting evidence. The boy's family is stunned, struggling for answers.
10: What are you targeting a kid for? He's not a gang member. Mm. You know, he's just a kid like everybody else out here going back and forth to school.
2: He's prey, unfortunately, in a city that spends its resources defending predators. This is a tragedy. This is sickening. And I had to search for it. It should be on every news across the country. But there's no money in this. I have a bet, Macbeth. You were not filling in. This is a very interesting bet. My bet is at the end of the year, there will be more death in the Democrat utopian cities of New York, New Jersey, Chicago, and California than there will be in the Ukraine. And I want to see how many of these stories make national news.
10: He had my father's sense of humor. He had that. I just told him that yesterday. I said, Malika, you know you Roy Jones. You Roy Jones' grandson. I just wish my daddy was here to see
12: Mm. circumstances around the shooting
2: are unclear at this time no one is in custody that's the saddest part of all no one is in custody and this is a blurb on only our news this doesn't make it out of state not at all neither does this
5: now to a breaking news update the 17 year old girl shot in the head near chicago state monday has died Tonight, the medical examiner identifies her as a Shea Williams. police Williams was sitting in the driver's seat of a car along 95th Street when a vehicle pulled up and someone fired shots.
2: Where's BLM? What, is there no mansion in it for you with this? 312-642-5600.
9: AM560, the answer.
2: Clap your hands, everybody, if you got what it takes. Because I'm Curtis Blow, and I want you to know that these are the boys. Much better time. Much better time. All right, so far this year in the city of Chicago, this is not including the suburbs. 741 people shot, 144 dead, 438 carjackings. And that's just some of the statistics. If you go over to the total shot each year, it's staggering. Staggering. When you hear the story of a 14-year-old, of a 13-year-old, of a 12-year-old, it doesn't nearly get the attention that it should. When you hear the statistics of how many of the shooters have been released, in some cases hours before the shooting, that doesn't get nearly the news. I know the answer. Let's give $500 to families that make under 58 grand a year. It'll be great. The saddest one and the ones who pay the cost are the children. Ben in Michigan, am I to understand you're 14 years old, Ben? Yes. Wow, wonderful. Well, I, I appreciate you taking time to call me. I, I, I'm shocked you listen to a show like this, but I'm also happy. Thank you. My parents listened to you guys, so oh, that's how I found you. Wonderful. And is it fair to say that this is your favorite show, bar none? Yes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> very good, very good. Well, I will tell you that um, what 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 makes this sad for me is I'm a parent, and I remember all of the beautiful growth that it, that you have in front of you. And when you hear these stories of somebody your age
13: mm-hmm.
10: being
2: shot, do you not think it should get more attention than just a th- three minute blurb on the news? Yeah, oh. Oh. and and it's so sad because i i'm afraid that i might get shot someday well ben you got to just stay out of the city of chicago that's the best thing and, okay. and pray for those kids that are stuck here and hope to god okay. that somebody realizes that the answer isn't to go after guns but to put away the criminals and that's the way you can mm-hmm. stay safe Ben. that's what it was like years and years ago when your parents were alive that's what it was like mm-hmm. when politicians knew the understanding between right and wrong and they weren't looking for corrupt to build up their, their campaign war chest. So, Ben, you pay attention to this show and the morning show mm-hmm. and all the shows in between, and you're going to be a smart kid, all right? Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Good luck to you, because you deserve the future. They all do. Fortunately, Ben's going to also learn how the Democrat politician has stolen his opportunity to be mega successful because they've operated under a scheme of making guys like Ben and Ben's parents pay for the handouts that supposedly go to help the very people they've managed to imprison with futility of existence, the Democrat constituents. That's who's always going to pay the cost. Good news is there is a fight being had, and that fight is between well-run states supported by voters of conscience against the states of corruption where they'd rather cover up the tragedy, cover up the numbers, then tell the truth.
11: You said that there's a sense of urgency among Mexican states to address this problem.
2: With regard to transporting illegal
11: immigrants to D.C., how many do you ultimately expect to be transported to our nation's capital? And do you believe a similar sense of urgency will result in the part of Secretary of the federal government? Uh,
6: we will transport as many as possible. Uh, the president has not ever come to the border of Texas and has seen the chaos that he has caused. And if he's not going to come to the border, we're going to take the border to him. Uh, There is another bus in transit as we speak right now, uh, and we will continue uh, to send buses uh, to Washington, D.C. And it's not just the president. It's members of Congress also. Remember this. It's Congress, specifically authorized by the United States Constitution to take action on this, and, and Congress is not taking action on this either. And so this is sending a message to both the President and Congress. Texas is tired uh, of being the unloading dock uh, for illegal immigrants crossing the border. Uh, the new unloading dock is going to be Washington, D.C. Last question. Sure. Last
7: question. What, what metrics will be using to see whether these plans are effective? How will the
4: public know if this is working?
6: At the end? From, from my perception, is, is going to be I'll walk you through a scenario that we talked about through the negotiations. Uh, we will identify hotspots where there will be an an increase in the number of migrants showing up because it's a location chosen by cartels to try to put people across the border at that particular location. Uh,
2: Cartels. And the Biden administration is accusing Abbott and Texas of jamming up the supply chain rather than recognizing the fact that so far in 25% of the trucks they've stopped, they have found fentanyl and other devastating drugs that destroy these neighborhoods because the democrat prosecutors refuse to crack down on the drug dealing gang gang, gang banging shooters
5: how is fentanyl affecting your community
2: well, thank you, and good
1: morning. We're, we're overwhelmed with, with fentanyl and, and the seizures of fentanyl and, of course, overdose accounts here. And these are numbers that we have never seen before. They're literally unprecedented.
12: And literally, fentanyl is at everyone's doorstep because of that porous border and because of what the cartels and how much supply they are moving across the border, the, the southern border. And, of course, it's infiltrating every single community in the United States.
2: This is not an issue of immigration. It is an issue of safety. That simple. You want to fix immigration? I'm on your team. Let all people come here who are unfortunately under the corrupt oppression of so many Democrats littered throughout the world that are called socialists and their countries that they've destroyed. Let them all come here. All of the people who want freedom. I love it. Come here. But don't you come here for welfare. Don't you come here for free health care. Don't you come here for free education. Come here because you want to be free. You want to be free, not because you want something for free. And that'll be called America. And we can maybe seize back our economy from these corrupt, corrupt political whores who profit from their own failure as somehow they've allowed not only a, a, a politician who has 50 years of legitimate corruption, provable, corruption so obvious even Democrats can see it but somebody's so dim-witted he's shaking hands with error. this is something we need to solve this is a problem we cannot allow them to capitalize on
5: public education has gone off the rails
9: now it's about
1: power and money and politics and somehow the kids are getting lost in all of that
7: it doesn't matter whether you're a Democrat or a Republican. You're a mom and a dad first. Critical race theory is dividing
2: our children in ways that are unacceptable. You cannot use- We will be back, and I will take your calls. 312-642-5600. AM 560, the answer. So it's obvious. The policies that uh, the Democrat mafia implement... Even Democrats know their failures. Even Democrats see the corruption. So what is the solution? The solution is to build a welfare army. That is, after all, how they've destroyed such great cities. I mean great. That now you're afraid to even walk to go get your parked car. And the scariest thing a father could ever hear is a kid saying they're going there. Eduardo Midway. Yeah, Sean, good
12: afternoon. Oh before I forget, uh Robert Ginty, the exterminator, they did two of them. Blames her for crime fighting. That's what we need. Oh yeah, but, uh, we need, we need, need about five
2: thousand dexters. But go ahead.
12: Right, right. So my point to your screen was that uh, we need a military operation when we got control of all of government between Nicaragua and Mexico. Don't even hang up the phone if the president of those countries calls you. We can't hear you. We're, we're yeah. done playing.
2: No, I, I well here. What what did the Biden administration do? What was the first thing they did? They sent. The greatest lunch date in Washington, D.C. history with a blank check over to the most corrupt countries to bribe them in order to keep their people there. And that really bothered me. Nobody wanted to look. What did that mean? Something tells me it looks a lot like Shanghai, except for the ones that they want here. And hopefully they don't have the same sense of humor Fidel Castro had when Jimmy Carter tried the same approach. Thank you very much, Eduardo. And everyone is thinking of Scarface and you'd be correct. Michael Seltzer. John, uh, good afternoon, afternoon. Uh,
13: my best to you and your loved ones during this uh, Easter uh, weekend.
2: You too, my friend. Thank
13: you. I wanted to uh, to tell you about another scam. Uh, This whole, the the cries from the American left about um, canceling uh, student loans. I was listening to um, a a very liberal radio station earlier today that shall go nameless. And the station interviewed this one clown who talked about how He's a lawyer, and he has $200,000 in student debt, and he gave this imp- impassioned plea about how he feels that his student debt should be canceled. And it <laughs> turns out the guy is an immigrant from Liberia, and he says that his student debt should be canceled because you know, he, the only way for him to have an opportunity in America was to get this expensive law degree.
2: It's preposterous. What it shows you, you know, Michael, very early on, my best friend is an attorney. And what it shows you is that attorney is just an occupation. They're occupied by people. Some are very good at it. Most suck. Most are bankrupt. Most are degenerates. And they can't keep up with the debt they signed to. So now their, their, their fallback is, well, I'm educated, so I'm better than the people who have to be taxed in order to pay for this. This is the flaw in socialism. The question is, will it sell this time? And the way to present it to these morons is very simple. Well, then why shouldn't every contractor get a truck? Why shouldn't everybody get something equivalent to that money? Because how dare you, as a government, pick who you decide to give welfare to? But this is the system we've allowed the political whores to use as a weapon to buy constituents to allow... Corruption like the sewer of Chicago as it becomes normalized. And now those people who live in that sewer have the audacity to pretend they should be allowed to move somewhere else and vote the same way. This is why, to me, the solution is you keep all the lawyers that want their education for free in those Democrat sewers. You deserve them. And when they join the investment groups with the corrupt aldermen and they steal your mother's house through a tax auction sale, good for you, roach. I say it's time to split by ideology, and we'll have two different forms of taxation and everything else. Let the Democrats go their own way, because who wants their sewers anyway? Would you want anything? Could they give you a place in Chicago? You know, I'm, a, I'm in the real estate business still. I don't practice in Illinois, but I did for a long time. I still get emails. I get emails, you could buy a beautiful building, 40000 because it's in a sewer. If that building were in a good area in, say, Florida, it would cost you six hundred grand. Why is it only 40 policies and the environment they build known as ghettos? So now it's time to abandon the the, the Democrats in their own utopias, which, by the way, only can exist on welfare. You got your fat man Pritzker who ships his wife and kids off to Florida. I find that ironic. Let him stay there. You stay there and keep your stupid policies with you. It's over with because you can't reason with people who wallow in failure and then tell you they're good people and they deserve something. No, you're not. And a man of character would never, never beg for his education to be free. What he showed you is lawyer, doctor, Indian chief. If they want something for nothing, they're scum. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate it. It's a character flaw. It really is. Speaking of character flaws, let's go to Rashid Talib. Rashid Talib is somebody who makes 175000 a year. She doesn't want to pay her college tuition either. She doesn't want to pay her college tuition and, and she wants to tell you what your kids should be subjected to because now they've categorized the pushback against the rewriting of history, the beg by government to use racism in the name of racism as book banning because the curriculum isn't allowed to buy such tripe as CRT books. You
7: know, I'm a mother of two, uh, raising, you know, two Muslim boys in our country
2: And it's been very difficult. Is there anybody that says, I'm a mother of two, raising two Catholics in our country? I'm a mother of two, raising two, which I think is the funniest of all religions, Mormons in our country. Is this how we talk now?
7: But, you know, Miss Bridges, I want to
11: thank you so much, because what you said really resonated with me. I know I get emotional every time.
2: Oh, shut up. All right, we'll be back. i got a great guest that will be on this topic. We'll talk about the atrocities we're facing at the hands of the corrupt Marxist mafia after this.
0: From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show.
2: As you know, I have an affection for the film business. Mainly because I recognize how influential it can be. It's obvious, and you could argue with many examples, the effect communists, socialists, Marxists have had on this country and this society by infiltrating the film business. Grapes of Wrath did more for socialism than most politicians, and now it seems commonplace. The way to take it back, in my opinion, is to do the same thing, only in the principles of Americanism. Deborah Flora, producer, writer... Um, She's actually been a radio host. She's quite accomplished. She's the founder of a nonprofit, Parents United, uh, producer, founder of Lamplight Entertainment and Whetstone Media Group. She has a new movie. It's called Whose Children Are They? Deborah, thank you so much for making time and joining me. I so appreciate it.
7: Well, thank you, Sean. It's great to be on with you. I really appreciate it.
2: So this is, I mean, I really do feel that strongly about it. So much of our country, so much of the ideology is really influenced by entertainment. And um, Mm -hmm. we're at a crisis point that it's either going to be we're going this way of the Soviet or we're going to implement Americanism back. And I am excited about your project. Can you tell me a little bit more about it?
7: Oh, you got it. Absolutely. By the way, uh, you know, I'm from Colorado, but spent time in Hollywood. My husband and I formed our company there. One of our good friends at the time, Andrew Breitbart, always used to say that, you know, politics are downstream of culture. And that is absolutely the case. That's why we are still making projects. Our latest film is Whose Children Are They? And it is a comprehensive expose exposing what is going on in our school system currently. We spent over 120 hours over two years, over 80 interviews of teachers, parents, frontline experts, courageous students who are speaking up. And our goal, Sean, was to connect the dots. I mean, a lot of people hear, oh, there's CRT over here or there's sexually exploitative sex education, or there's gender fluidity teaching for kindergartner, or there's anti-discipline policy. What we wanted to do was bring it all together and show everyone the through line and how it's connected. And you nailed it. At the heart of it is a Marxist view versus a Judeo-Christian American view, which is do the children belong to the state? Or is it the right and authority of parents to be the ultimate say, in their children's education. And obviously, we come down on the ladder because it is the morally right and the uh, intrinsically um, sensed version of truth, that parents have the ultimate authority, not the state.
2: You know, you wouldn't know it by my voice, Deborah, but I'm actually over 50. And um, I had the benefit (laughs) of being over 50 because I Mm -hmm. grew up in a time when a teacher would not have the audacity and the sheer arrogance to try to influence my generation, with their preferences, with their proclivities. What I noticed Mm -hmm. when I had my kids, I I, I sent them to the best private schools I could afford because I knew, being a product of of public school, that it had changed drastically since I was a kid. The other thing that I noticed is that these teachers were children themselves. Ideological children who were protected from life, had no understanding of what life was, and they were living in this theoretical bubble of a utopian statism, that they so confidently promote i find it to be disgusting and despicable um what is Mm -hmm. the percentage in your in your research what is the percentage of teachers who think that the kids actually are 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 property of parents not the state you
7: know here's the thing that i find interesting you know our our documentary is pro-teacher, pro-student, pro-parent. I mean, that was the original golden triangle of education, and that's when we actually were at the at the forefront worldwide with academics, not indoctrination. I think a couple of things have happened. Number one, John Dew, the father of modern education, who loved the Soviet system. He started in the 20s. He helped found the teachers' colleges and was an honorary president of the teachers' unions. So that combination has certainly begun to skew our teachers' colleges towards a much more liberal, communist, Marxist sort of view. Now, there are a lot of great teachers who actually don't want to be teaching any of these things, and many of them are parents themselves. But what happens is the teachers' unions come in who are not representing teachers, and they bully the teachers who are not indoctrinated into going along with this. And it's really an unfortunate situation. So there's multiple solutions to this. Certainly there are some teachers that we know are completely indoctrinated. We've got some in our movie who, you know, replace the American flag with the um, pride flag or, you know, are, are bragging about their goal to indoctrinate children. And then there's others. We have, you know, a large percentage of teachers in our documentary who are heartsick over the direction that things are going. But oftentimes many teachers find it nearly impossible to stand up to the teachers unions who really are the ideological partners with many of these groups pushing radical agendas. So I don't know a percentage, but I would say there are a lot of great teachers and we need to support them, but we need to let them know how they can get out of the union and out from under their thumbs because they can. They do not have to stay with the unions to have their health care and their assurance. It's, it's a very um, false narrative that the unions push on them.
2: You know, Deborah, it's a double edged sword, the entertainment business, because oftentimes a lie is sexier than the truth. We are dealing right. with the ideology of lies built on this socialism on marxism on a on a hidden fascism the whole time being wielded by people who demand themselves to be called liberals it's it's a nauseating situation we're in but they are wordsmiths and they've bastardized our language so much so that i'm listening to congress people who are marxists who are totalitarian say that books are being banned when that is not the case these are books that are not being allowed to be bought by the curriculum by the by the public Mm -hmm. school system. How can this be told to the ordinary common moron referred to as Democrats?
7: (laughs) Well, you know, you've hit something a nail on the head. What has happened in the last couple of years and where I have great hope is how extreme the progressive and I call progressivism when you take it to the furthest extent, it's regressive. So the regressive agenda, how far it has gone is getting exposed left and right. I mean, I'm talking to parents through my organization, Parents United America, who are waking up, and I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican, you're a mom and a dad first. And what many of them are realizing is that the Democrat Party has left them far behind and become truly the socialist, you know, oligarchy for the most part. And it's getting revealed. I mean, when you ban books like To Kill a Mockingbird and then you push instead Abraham Kennedy's books or you push instead books like I Am Jazz for kindergartners telling them they could have a boy brain trapped in a girl body, most people are realizing how far this has come. From the ideal of education, it is telling kids what to think, an agenda that does not line up with the vast majority of Americans, not how to think, how to have critical thinking. So we're seeing um, a, a complete inverse relationship between the rise of indoctrination and the plummeting. Of education. So they really have gone to an extreme. And um, the the teachers unions who push this agenda, their partners who push these agendas, it's getting exposed. And that is the hope. Because when you wake parents up, they will not go back to sleep. And that's what we have to make sure happens.
2: There's a diabolical scheme afoot in public education. And that is, if a book is sucked into the curriculum, the author becomes a multimillionaire overnight. Because the 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 those people in charge of the of these school corrupt organizations can pay whatever they want. There's virtually no regulation. Isn't this really something that maybe can be brought to the attention of the American people? Not only are we not banning books, we're simply not allowing them in the curriculum. And by the way, you're paying forty-seven dollars a copy for these things. Isn't this something that right, I, I find exactly. sickening?
7: Yes. Well, here's what we can do, and and that's why we made the documentary because we know historically, Sean. Movements that happen in history do one of two things: they either reach a fever pitch and dissipate, and nothing changes, or they reach a certain point, and then something propels it to the next level where real change happens, like the civil rights movement. Things happened, you know, under leadership. Things getting exposed that led it to real significant change. It's why we made the documentary "Whose Children Are They?" and we ask everyone go to whosechildrenarethey.com dot com because what we wanted to do is put all of this together from the changing of academics, the lowering of academic standards. We have a science teacher, by the way, who says that she, she's a physics teacher in high school, was told not to teach Newton and Einstein and Galileo because they have less melanin in their skin. And instead, she was supposed to teach, I think it was Imhotep, who is an ancient Egyptian scientist who had nothing to do with physics and nothing to do with modern science. That's how crazy it is. But the point is, for everyone of goodwill, we're talking parents, grandparents, stakeholders, caring citizens who pay taxes for public education to see this and say enough is enough. No more will we hire, you know, school board members who are beholden to the union. We'll get legislators who will stand up for the dollars to follow the student, not the system. Pull your kids out if you can't get it to change quick enough while we try to redeem this. But there's so much that can be done. Awareness is number one, which is why we made the documentary.
2: The irony of Galileo wasn't he killed by the government for teaching kids? And now, <laughs> yes, now, I the mean,
7: irony it, is thick, Sean. <laughs> it is
2: a full circle of stupidity, and yet here we are emboldening the government again in the midst of their failure. I'm curious because I'm going to go watch. I, I have a Friday features with me. I do so the whole half hour, last half hour. We have callers call in and tell me mo- movies and documentaries. This is the perfect day for you. Great. And Great. I'm curious to know in your shooting of the documentary. Did you come across an ignoramus so confident enough as to tell you that, in fact, they are the state's kids and not yours?
7: <laughs> well, you know what's so funny is we didn't actually have to go and film it ourselves because it's happening all over society. <laughs> so <laughs> you didn't have to look
2: far? We have Just to do turn on to the use. news? Yeah
7: do is show Terry McAuliffe saying that in the debate with Glenn Youngkin in Virginia, which is why Glenn Youngkin soundly trounced him, you know, that it is not the right of parents to know what their children are being educated. We have footage of teachers unions presidents basically saying, you know, when students start paying dues, we'll represent students. Until then, we're not going to. I mean, it is pretty much everywhere. But what we do is we set up a very clear, historic background, that this isn't something that just happened. It's been going on for decades. What the only change that occurred was during COVID, the mask came off. People saw it firsthand. And, for instance, when you had all those children at home, and, for instance, in Tennessee, when parents were asked to sign a waiver to not observe what their kids were learning in their kitchen or their living room, you better believe that woke a lot of people up. So we didn't even have to do it. I mean, we did uncover, for instance, in our own school district, uh, basically people who were teaching CRT saying it was called educational equity. And they did say um, how to get around parents who they called barriers. So we wouldn't know. And that's also what teachers unions call, um, call parents often as barriers or dissenters. Well, I think what they found out is we're not barriers and dissenters. We are the parents, and we are retaking the control of our children's upbringing and education, especially education. That has always been the purview of those who know that child best and have their own values Schools well, are only supposed to be teaching, reading, writing, arithmetic, science, his, history, etc. That's The it. real that's history. we have to return
2: to. Yes, yeah, the exactly. real, Academic. not the fake one. All right, so I'm going to give you yeah. something, it's but exactly then I'm going to take something. All right? <laughs> so here's how this works. I'm going to give you an idea, then I'm going to take something. Yes. See, I like to do this because I'm a capitalist above all. I, oh, love, yeah, I love it. I love the, the title, Whose Children Are They? I love the mission. I can't oh. wait to watch the documentary. But think about this i I like your other point. I want to take my kids you know I, my kids are grown now i don't have this option. I want right. to take all the kids who are being used as fodder for the Marxist agenda to enrich the communist school unions around the country. You have to remember i 'm broadcasting from Chicago where we are the most obviously corrupt and obviously communist twenty eight thousand right. dollars a year they get for a kid's name on a roster. People are afraid to take their kids out, but with this title, whose kids are they mm-hmm. anyway dot com, you could also break off into an entire homeschool education school online. What do you think of that?
7: Well, it's already happening naturally, and, and I do encourage everyone to go to whose dot com so you can see it. It's already happening. There has been a very large exodus from public schools, and here's the thing: there, you know, well, our kids are doing fine, and other people's kids might do fine. I also care about the kids who are remaining in the public schools, so we need to do a multi pronged approach. You know, if you know, vote vote in a new school board that is responsive to the parents, the ultimate stakeholders, and the students, not the teachers' unions. Get that reformed. Work on it even if your kids are grown. And if your kids are young and it's not going to happen fast enough, then pull them out because there will be pain in that removal of that tax money towards that education. And put them somewhere where you do have a control as we all continue the long-term work of redeeming public education. It's got to be all of the above because for every parent who understands and pulls their children out, there's so many more who don't realize. And, you know, I care about all the children in this country that should not have their minds warped with, you know, the divisive idea of critical race theory, which is actually Marxist critical theory, just with a different wrapper on it. Um, you know, and by the way, Chicago, I just want to say real quickly, we have an amazing teacher in our documentary, Joseph Ockel, who is one of the teachers who decided not to leave his students on, um, you know, without, without his presence in their lives, when the teachers unions once again in Chicago demanded a shutdown just because they weren't getting their radical demands. So there are good teachers there. But, yes, I, it's happening all over the country. And you know what? We all have to stand up and work on a multi-pronged solution, which is what we end the documentary with. There's a, Everyone has something that they can do. And if we do this, we will never go back to the terrible state of public education as it is today. It will start the journey back.
2: I absolutely love it. And you can find this on Salem as well today. And you can go yeah. to whos the children are they dot com to find out all the information about it. So now, Deborah Flora, I sold a movie when I was young. Three times it was never made. I'd like you to keep me in mind. I'm not getting any younger, Deborah. Not to mention, I'm quite dashing. I'm aging beautifully. If you ever need a fill-in or a stand-in, come on. I always wanted to be famous. Can you help me?
7: Hey, hey, we will keep it in mind, Sean. You can count on that. I promise. <laughs> thank
2: you so much, Deborah Flora, for joining me. And thank you, more importantly, for doing the documentary. It is essential at a crucial time in our country. Thank you.
7: Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, Sean. And thank you, everyone, for going to com. They can stream it starting today. So appreciate
2: it. We'll be back with your calls and comments after this.
9: AM 560, The Answer.
0: Catch Carl Jackson tonight at seven, right before Jay Sekulow at nine on AM five sixty. The answer.
2: So I am excited to watch that documentary. It's like a, and don't forget we are having Friday features with me in the last half hour, and we're going to do something new. I'm going to take your open line. We're going to do in the next thirty minutes. It'll be at the after the bottom of the hour. But in the meantime, let's uh, give the little trailer
7: public education has gone off the rails.
2: Now
1: it's about power and money and politics and somehow the kids are getting lost in all of that.
7: It doesn't matter whether you're a Democrat or Republican, you're a mom and a dad first. Critical race theory
9: is dividing our children in ways that are unacceptable.
6: You cannot use racism to eradicate racism. Our teachers are bullied. Parents are shut out.
4: Less than one third of America's school children are proficient in anything.
7: They're teaching these kids X rated sex acts. When we look at this radical agenda, the way our children are being exploited and the way parents are getting shut out, it comes down to one fundamental question Whose children are they? Whose children are
5: they? De quién son esos niños? Whose children are they?
2: Can't wait to watch it. But it makes sense to indoctrinate the next generation. Because what is the generation that is putting up the most resistance to the fascists, to the Marxists, to the Soviets, even though they call themselves liberal? Us. A generation that was not indoctrinated. It only makes sense, after all, that's why Hitler had his own youth. Laurie, Lyle...
4: Hey, listen, I'm going to tell you whose children they are. My teacher, te- or my sister teaches kindergarten, and in her school all of the kids almost are illegal alien kids. She teaches bilingual kindergarten. Her whole class is illegal aliens. So, the kids that that are they're coming here from across our
2: border are the ones who are going to go to the public school. But I pose going this to, be the to you, Lori. I pose this to you. Those parents for the most part are very family orientated and will be very resistant to this. I don't think it's a given that the kids of, of uh, uh, people who have fled here from totalitarian countries are just going to bend knee as their kids are sexualized, as their kids are indoctrinated. So I understand that. They're going
4: to come here for the free welfare and they have to free medical for their kids in school,
2: free lunches. Well, isn't, here's the other thing. Don't, enough American citizens do that anyway? You do realize? The
4: taxpaying sh- ones. There are no such mean, things. I never
2: did. There are no such things as taxpayer ones. Do you realize that there's only 20%, 27% of the country actually pays taxes? It's a welfare country. So don't be offended by any more of those than you are the very citizens that live on the very system that, in, that, that gives them something for nothing. Don't forget during COVID, the Chicago public schools were still open for their food program. There's a reason. No, the it's, American it's an across-the-board an, an across issue, and the reality is you have to fix that system. Ironically, I think the greatest asset to breaking that system are the very people you think are, uh, are, are, are causing the problem. The, the people who came here from countries who love family, who love opportunity, that's who's going to help you. Not the American Democrat in Chicago who's, who's paid to abandon dignity. 312-642-5600. We'll be back.
9: AM560, the answer.
2: 312-642-5600. We're going to do kind of an open line thing for this next half hour. Um, and then I have Hans von Spakovsky. Election integrity. You're never going to believe it. Guess which states want to improve election integrity and which ones want to improve cheating. I I something tells me you can never guess. Timothy Loop. Hello. Hi, Timothy. Hey, how are you, Sean? Wonderful. Thanks for calling.
14: Great, great. Sean, I'm with you hundred percent and I wish the folks that are making this movie um all the luck in the world and um I, I whole, hope wholeheartedly hope that folks support it. But there there is something I have to take issue with that I heard.
10: Yes. Uh, me.
14: You had mentioned yeah, you'd mention about the Grapes of Wrath yeah. um th- being a, a socialist movie. Uh the book uh by John Steinbeck was a socialist book. However, the movie was made um by uh the the the, the great director um uh John, John Ford. John Yeah, John Ford and uh, who was a wonderful patriot and a, yes, a great was. conservative American. Yes. And um Whittaker Chambers who was a former Soviet agent who um, uh, was threatened to be killed, and then so he disappeared. He went underground, and he popped up at Time Magazine, and he started reviewing books and movies. And uh, he wrote a review uh, for uh, *Grapes of Wrath*, and he he said that it was uh, probably one of the greatest films ever made about a so, you know about a so-so movie. And um, Henry Luce, at a, at a board meeting said that it was the best uh, movie review that had ever appeared in Time magazine
2: <laughs> yeah I, first of all let me let me be very clear I actually really like the movie very much it's a wonderful wonderful film obviously it it, it, it did it did put lipstick on the book the book is an outright call for statism and it oh, was yes. a you know a cure for the depression without ever really discussing the Depression, which was really a culmination of so many uh, socialist policies piled on top of each other until that's where it ends. And by the way, I think we're going to enter a time period like that again in this country. And it also touches upon the, the Dust Bowl, which is long before global warming. So, I mean, you know, listen, I love the movie, but you do understand in particular the, the idea towards the end is, is clearly pushing towards a commune society, and that's what I was referring to, but i the criticism is well taken and and the movie is fantastic. I should have been more clear, but I do think, and to this day, to your point, it's championed by the American Soviets as an alternative to the capitalism and the lifestyle that 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 built the richest country in the shortest period of time, right absolutely thank you very much, Timothy. you know I appreciate you listening in the call three one two six, four two fifty six hundred um I, I, we're going to do movies, you know. obviously, the last half hour. I have Hans von Spakovsky coming on. But I do want to touch just a minute on on the Twitter thing. And I'll tell you why. I hear a lot of, of the talk throughout the, the last couple of days of um, what is a hostile bid, or it appears to be. And I don't think it's being explained how diabolical the solution or the fight-off is. The idea, it's called a poison pill, and you hear people comment on it. This is the problem with companies that are mainly silicon-based, companies like Twitter, which does not show a positive revenue. It doesn't have cash flow. Twitter is a company that uh, exists on the concept of what it is or what it could be. I want you to keep in mind, Twitter should be valued at nothing, in my opinion, nothing. Twitter is a venue that has implemented its obvious a propaganda wing of the government. And this is something that broke two years ago. This is really when it was clear that the greatest thing you could do isn't necessarily to buy Twitter, although it's an alternative, it's a fast fix, and it would be great if you opened it up to free markets and, you know, like, uh, say, the First Amendment. It would be great. But it's not. It's corrupted. But it was corrupted years ago. Do you remember um, when Project Veritas did the expose? This is from 2019.
4: The idea of a shadow ban is that you ban someone but they don't know they've been banned because they keep posting but no one sees their content so they just think that no one's engaging with their content when in reality no one's seeing it. You just sort of turn off all of the features for them so like they still see everything, it's all there. You can like it, you can favorite it or you can like retweet or whatever but uh, at the end of the day no one else interacts with your team. No one else sees what you're doing. So. Uh, All that data is just thrown away. Um, It's risky, though. Let's say it was a pro Trump thing,
11: and I am anti Trump. I I ban this whole account. It'll go to you, and then it's at your discretion. And if you're you're anti Trump, you're like, oh, you know what? No, it's right. Let it
4: go. You know, it's a lot of bad press if, like, you know, people figure out that you're shadow banning them. It's, like, unethical in some way.
2: There are still conservatives that use it. I do not use it. I understand that. The show has an account for my show, and it's the same thing with Facebook. The greatest way to harm these companies isn't to enrich these buffoons, these children. That, you know, In a buyout, these children that have been acting as censors that would make Goebbels smile, may he burn in hell for a million millenniums, it is to abandon them. Now that's what I think Elon Musk is doing. I really do. I think it was a false bid. I think he knew it wasn't going to be taken. In the meantime, I would love to find out that although he acquired 9%, he implemented and bought options, puts, so that he can ride the plummet. I predict a plummet of Twitter stock next week.
4: I'm an engineer in the messaging page. Maybe I could hack into
3: her. I don't know. Who knows, right? When you use Twitter, this is a,
2: this is a sexually frustrated nerd that is uh, an operations uh, manager of Twitter. He's a child, a coder, somebody who's never seen a real naked girl. Yes, one of them. And this kid has more power over your data now because you've downloaded that app. This is a problem, and this needs to be a class action lawsuit. But once again, we would need that very small percent of lawyers, the 1%. That isn't in the Democrat mafia, in the, in the scheme of suing for no reason. This is a real reason that those 36,000 people who had their accounts seized on January 6th, I'm one of them, along with the ex-president of the United States, should file a class action lawsuit. I don't think the idea is to enrich them. I think, once again, we're being manipulated into cheering for exactly the wrong answer. When something like this exists, two years old, Nerds admitting to stealing data and stealing other things you didn't post.
3: Like dick pics are on my server No shit. Yeah. Oh. All your illegitimate illegit- wives and like all the girls you've been f-ing around with oh you're on my server now. Oh my God. I'm gonna it to your wife. I'm you in your divorce. So what happens is like when you like write stuff when you post pictures online they never go away. Like they're always well, on there. Yeah. Um, Because like even after you send them, people are, like, analyzing them, they're seeing what you're interested in, seeing what you're talking about.
2: How many people knew that? It's not just what you're posting. It's what's on your phone, what you've allowed that app to do. The data. Now, you're going to tell me that by signing an acknowledgement, is there? I don't think so. I think lawyers could tear this company apart. I'm hoping that Elon Musk opens up a Tesla chat, Tesla talk, TT. And destroys the value of Twitter rather than enriching these apparatchiks of a corrupt state, a corrupt Marxist mafia of the Democrat Party. That's the solution for me. It's to tear down, not enrich. 312-642-5600. I'll get to your calls as soon as I get back.
9: AM 560. The answer. Rock the
2: bell. It's 80s, 80s rap on a Friday with Macbeth. Three one two six four two fifty six hundred. I think you are unaware of the power you have, whether you have a 401K or whatever the case is with your stock or your family or friends. You dictate this. We've made these people rich by cooperating, by holding their stock. You have a 401K, you get to direct it. Call up your guy who sits on his ass and just rings the register and tell him, I'm done with Twitter. I'm done with Facebook. I'm done with Disney. Let them feast on their own opinions, their own failure. You don't have to be victims of this. And I, I think Elon Musk is smarter than the average bear. <laughs> Call me silly. I think this was a pump and dump. I hope so. Sal in his car.
10: Oh, uh, you got it right on there. Well, Sean, you and I have the same backgrounds. I, I was a seven and a two, and it was an ROP. Yeah. And we started going short and buying naked. We were naked on the puts at 65, and I figured about twenty five thirty was bottom on Twitter, turn around and cover it, and I guarantee you, Elon's doing the same thing to protect his position. He'll make money all day, on the way on, on the way down, on the way up, and on the way out again. And, and then you know, he'll come back and keep playing with it.
2: And you know what, Sal, what people don't realize is there's the board of that company has a fiduciary duty to their shareholders. I don't care if you have 10 shares. If if you They can't just turn down an offer of $54.00. A share, the stock is trading at what thirty seven? They by rights yeah, they have to take yep. that, and the idea they're going to do yeah, the poison if I, pill. Right. If they do the poison yeah, pill, the yeah, SEC they, should be all over them. But the problem is the SEC isn't it, interested in right and wrong; the they're in, in, they're in, they're in, in the, the, the scam. Yeah, they're
10: like minded individuals, and don't forget, you got BlackRock and Vanguard who come in with those big block trades to support the stock yeah. so it doesn't take any more. This thing should be at 122, 123. But BlackRock comes in and Vanguard come in and buy, you know, three, five million shares at the end of the day to keep it supported. It's a false support.
2: And you know, now, Sal, how many average Americans about... don't know that BlackRock is doing that with the Fed money?
10: Oh, I know. Here's the deal, Sean. I got thrown out of Three out of the five high schools I went to, and I got my licenses because I hated these slobs who had all their licenses went to Cornell, Harvard, Yale, Brown. while they were all puking in line to take their seven at Northwestern back in the day, and none of them had a clue what was going on. If you're interested, anybody can ascertain the real information about what's going on with their money. You just got to hate the fact that somebody's stealing from you enough to go ahead and do it.
2: I love it, Sal. That's what motivated me. And by the way, when I, when I became a, a RIA, you know, I was against the same guys. With, I, I dropped out of Columbia College. I couldn't believe the stupidity in the regulations oh. that it, it was unbelievable. I, I, you know, it's really a, a, a system of exclusive club, country club fraud that's perpetrated yeah. on the American yeah. people. Thank well, you how, Sal.
10: About the, how about the manipulation of the stock to the downside how many oh. times did they touch Alan Abelson writing negative articles about companies and shorting them yeah shorting the companies and what they do Oh Alan don't do that again
2: yeah you know, he should have became no, a, he should have became a congressman or a senator he could have been long and then funded it with the public's money Thanks Sal <laughs> I appreciate the call thank you Lee and Hammond
8: hey Sean hey you know going back to Steinbeck story the grapes of wrath. I think yeah. what a lot of people don't understand is that the the, uh, the powers that be actually created uh, the the situation that caused the Great Depression, the central bankers, and then the solution they offered was socialism, Marxism, communism.
2: Sound familiarly? It, it's
8: problem reaction solution. These guys create the problem, they offer they offer their solution, which is more power to them, more control. I don't. I think a lot of people don't even realize. I think it was Rockefeller. Actually made like a a tens of millions of dollar loan to the Bolsheviks in Russia to keep the revolution going like in it, the- was
2: Rothschild. <laughs> Rothschild. <laughs> it was Rothschild. Rothschild.
8: It was a Rothschild. Okay. Well Rothschild. this is what goes on. You know, it's yeah. the same subject, but, same people. And the thing is we think it's an alternative, but it's the same old, same old, run by the I same. I agree people. with
2: you, Lee, but doesn't that sound exactly very familiar? Just put a fresh pair of yoga pants on it, and it's the same damn scam today. The only difference is the yoga pants nowadays are size 16. I don't know why they make them above a size 6. All right, i I'll be back.
0: From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned.
2: They pretend it's the Windy City and the city with broad shoulders and the Cubs and every other thing. What oh. it's known around the world as is the Chicago Democrat mafia so strong it was able to steal a presidential election because the cemeteries are the voting base. Yes, it's true. Long before Al Capone, it had been corrupted and it perfected it in the 60s. There's no question about it. We know there's a lot of stupid people. We are from Chicago. But are there 81 million morons that put in this Joe Mancha dim and diapers? I still say no. I believe the presidency should have an asterisk. However, if we're going to change things now that the office has been usurped, it's going to be through election integrity. Hans von Spakovsky, the Heritage Foundation, is taking the battle to the forefront. Hans is a brilliant attorney. And you know I normally don't like attorneys, but I like this one. Hans is... Um, Really putting up a fight at the Heritage Foundation. Hans, thank you so much for joining me. How are you? And I appreciate Hans? you having me on. Oh, I got nervous there because, you know, I gave you that big lead in. I didn't want to have any technical difficulties. And I'm most excited about you putting up a fight and changing things to assure that the next election will not have the asterisks that I believe the last one should have.
12: I look, I agree with you. You know, I was very concerned at the 2020 election, and fortunately, so were a lot of state legislators. And they acted last year, and many of them have just acted again in their sessions this year to actually improve their election process. So those are the states that Joe Biden and others are constantly complaining about when they say, oh, it's Jim Crow 2.0. No. They're doing things like putting in a requirement to show an ID when you vote. Anybody who says that's the same as Jim Crow is being absurd.
2: But we are at a time of absurdity when um, not only the people who are complaining about Jim Crow can't make the connection that he was a Democrat, and these are Democrats that are notorious for this kind of skullduggery. They found a way to manipulate it, and you're up against a very well-organized, very well-funded mafia, and you've got... Quite the competition when you factor in the Mark Elias group of trying to legitimize the lack of voter integrity.
12: No, that's right. For folks who, you know, some of your listeners may not have heard that day. Mark Elias is this very powerful, very rich Democratic lawyer in Washington, D.C., who basically he's the lawyer who represents. Almost everybody on the Democratic side, the Democratic National Committee, Democratic candidates, and all these left wing, supposedly nonpartisan, but really aren't nonpartisan advocacy organizations like, you know, the NAACP, the ACLU and others. And for years now, and particularly in 2020, he has been filing lawsuits to stop things like voter ID. To prevent states from actually cleaning up their voter rolls I mean it's just one lawsuit after another like that and and like I said he is extremely well funded
2: you know what else he is he's he, he's somebody who ages terribly I just found out he's born in 1969 he's 300 pounds of ugly baldness yet he cut his teeth during the Obama years he's been hooked up yeah. with the Democrats since the Duchess of Chaffington and uh, Hillary and uh, and Bill since before we knew. He was an intern molester, and he's quite perfected this idea that they should not clean up the voter rolls because that is the greatest weapon, especially during a time of ballot harvesting, which has been a main staple for what they're pushing. All of this idea of ballot harvesting. Do you think that the people are ready to recognize that this needs to be something that is eliminated in these Democrat hubs? Are we winning in these Democrat areas in any Kind of way.
12: Well, we are, and although not on ballots, <clears throat> I gave a very specific example of that.
2: Um,
12: look, in New York State, um, this past November, there were two referenda on the ballot for the voters in New York to to vote for, and they were two things that Mark Elias and his people have been pushing for years. One would have put in same day voter registration in New York. So on the, on election day, you can register and immediately vote, which remember New York has no voter ID. So it was like recipe for fun.
13: Second, um,
12: they were, the the second referendum would have changed New York to a no fault absentee ballot state. In other words, in New York, you still need an excuse to use an absentee ballot. Like you're too sick to make the polls. You're going to be out of town. Um, the voters of New York voted both of those down. This was a huge loss for the left, for Mark Elias, and for Chuck Schumer, because, you know, Chuck Schumer in the U.S. Senate had been pushing all year H.R. 1, this federal bill that would have imposed both of those on the entire country. And yet, the people of this blue state voted
2: against it. This is good news. But in 2020, the same day, voter registration. This is something that actually affected the 2020 election, is it not?
12: Yes, uh, all of those factors did. And also one of the most important ones, as you know, were uh, the fact that um, some very liberal state court judges and some uh, Democratic secretaries of state in places like Pennsylvania and Michigan and elsewhere basically said, uh, oh, you know that law that the state legislature passed that governs absentee ballots? Well, we're just not going to follow it. And we're going to count ballots coming in even if they violated the law. And that happened in, in a number of states.
2: You know, Hans, I was um, I was always under the impression that law was going to be my shield. And during that evening in 2020, I was very optimistic that the law would come in and save me. And save America and save Americanism. How is it that so many courts, so many judges just refused to hear evidence? And now you know this and very, you know, people that paid attention know this. It still drives me insane as they pretend that it was legally validated. Was that election in 2020 ever legally validated and audited?
12: Well, it certainly wasn't audited. And the big problem with all of the lawsuits that were filed in places like Georgia, Arizona, and elsewhere is that, look, they, they never got to the substantive hearing stage. In other words, these judges dismissed these cases on procedural grounds. They said, oh, you know, you don't have standing to sue. We're throwing this out. If they had actually gotten to the substantive stage, you know, where there's a trial, a hearing where the witnesses are brought in so you can you know, cross-examine them and see whether their claims of what they saw, the misbehavior, whether it was credible or not, well, then, you know, we would have an answer to the question still floating in so many people's minds about the outcome of that election, but that never happened. And it's not going to happen because of election officials and, you know, all over the country don't want to do that. And Democrats, uh, particularly those in the U.S. Justice Department under the Biden administration, you know that they have threatened states who want to do that. You, I don't know if you know this, but uh, when Arizona actually started doing an audit,
11: mm-hmm.
12: the U.S. Justice Department actually sent them a letter threatening them and saying that conducting an audit was a violation of the Voting Rights Act. Now, that is complete nonsense and i say that as a former doj veteran who was responsible for enforcing the voting rights act but it's another sign of how you know democratic administrations in this case biden are willing to use governmental power for partisan political purposes outside of the law
2: and it's a it's 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 prima facie evidence in my accent i know i probably butchered that but it's prima facie evidence that the Justice Department, in fact, has been politicized and really isn't based oh, on the American yes. rule of law. And the fact that you stuck a Chicago gangster like Ferret face Merrick Garland, my interpretation, not yours, means that we're going to be subjected to this. The good news is so many people were disgruntled that these states like Arizona are making some significant changes. Is that not the case? That's,
12: that Yes, that is exactly right. Um, and, you know, I said, you know, they've been good changes because of, The screaming that you hear in the mainstream media and by people like Joe Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer and others. The fact that they don't like those changes tells you those were good reforms.
2: I believe that the country is um, splitting because people that are trapped in states that are run by the uh, Democrat mafia are losing people because they understand that in these states there is a push to legitimize the lack of voter integrity and this is the plan in uh my state of illinois for example they not only are a sanctuary state they are a state that is fighting to have the lack of voter integrity is this because they understand they only need to have very key sections um to continue to hold power and if you couple that with which What looks like, to me, another setup for a COVID-restricted shutdown in these areas. Is this the plan to keep power?
12: Oh, it is, as is the fact that, as I'm sure you know, there's apparently a a bill being given serious consideration right now in the Illinois legislature to allow convicted criminals who are serving in your jails, prisons, and penitentiary to vote. So they are so desperate. Yeah, they are so desperate that they want to allow murderers and rapists and bank robbers and people like that to vote in in your election.
2: Well, you know, if you're paying attention, Hans, we have um, convicted felons that are just waiting to be sentenced that are aldermen. So is it really that big of a stretch? No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) You know, I, I have a question, though, about what exactly can be done when courts circumvent the rule of law and circumvent state legislatures, and the people are just told to shut up and take it. Can we not go back to the idea that state legislatures can can regain that power or now that they've lost it and they've accepted being circumvented, is that the way of the future for these upcoming elections?
12: Look, I... There's no perfect solution to this, but there are things that um, can be can be done. I mean, one is, look, one of the reasons for this, uh, particularly in the state courts, is because in state in states where judges are elected. The left a couple of years ago launched a big effort that the conservatives have not matched to find, recruit and finance radical leftists to run for state court judgeships. And those are the people making these bad decisions. They've been unfortunately successful in doing that in places like Pennsylvania uh, and North Carolina and, and other states. Um, and so part of, part of the job here of conservatives is to find good people to challenge them and get them out of office. Um, the other the other thing that people ought to do in, in their state, if they can the way the legislature to do it. Um, one of the things we've been recommending is uh, you need to have a statute in your state or a constitutional provision, do it through a referendum process if you've got it, that gives any voter in the state and the state legislature the ability to sue any state or local election official who is not complying with the law and to get a an order from a judge forcing them to comply with the law. That's not always going to work if you have bad judges. But the two of those combined are a way of trying to prevent what happened in 2020 from happening
2: again. You know, Hans, I had a guy running for Congress uh, in a well-off district just this week. The guy he's running up against is Brad Schneider. He has an address he doesn't live in. I mean it's the typical Chicago thing. They, you know the, the the fraud of oh I'm there, my you know, my wedding dress is in the attic type thing. If these laws aren't enforced in these mafia states, they're really just a parchment promise of legality and the rest the reality is we've had mayors that ran on this and they they sit in office we've got congress people laura underwood didn't have a driver's license from illinois she used her mommy and daddy's address where are the adults hans
13: well like
12: said it all goes back to trying to get better um for example better election officials in office who will do something about that but that also goes back to what unfortunately what you and i were talking about at the beginning which is, uh, frankly, getting a conservative administration into federal office to take over the U.S. Justice Department. Because remember, when you have, for example, local prosecutors who are unwilling to enforce um, uh, prosecutions against people, for example, who who engage in election fraud, um, that's when the federal government, And the U.S. attorney need to step in. And, you know, a great example of this is, uh, and a lot of folks may not remember this, but look, one of the biggest, in fact, the biggest voter fraud cases ever prosecuted by the U.S. Justice Department was in Chicago um, after the 1982 governor's race.
2: Really? How'd we do? Oh, yeah.
12: Uh, They... (laughs) Prosecuted and convicted more than 60 people. Uh, the U.S. attorney estimated that there had been a hundred thousand fraudulent ballots cast in that 82 election. And he said to me when I interviewed him, they could have prosecuted many more people. They just ran out of the resources to be able to prosecute everybody that was yeah. involved. We're out
2: of forums. Um I, the, the other thing that you specialize in is something I, I'm running out of time, but I have a dream. And that dream is we can eliminate the obvious pay-to-play system of giving money to politicians and even PACs. I know it's not popular in conservative areas, but Hans, when these son-of-a-dogs are raising millions of dollars in their war chest, they're running policies to benefit the very corruptors. We see it in big pharma. We see it in the war machine. We see it. It's just normal now. Can I get back to an era when the idea that a company and their employees giving millions of dollars to a politician isn't open and notorious bribery, will there be election uh, reform and money into politics, or is it just going to be commonplace for presidential elections to cost billions? Each candidate raises over a billion dollars, and we pretend it's not a pay-to-play scheme. Uh,
12: the chances of any kind of campaign finance reform, which is what you're talking about, getting through Congress, is... Uh, pretty pretty close to nil.
13: Oh, so nice. I, hate,
12: I hate to be pessimistic, but that's the reality of it.
2: Well, Hans, there's always the aliens, and there's more and more of these UFO sightings. I think they can help us with their alien <laughs> currency and their alien <laughs> rules. In the meantime, I want to thank you and the Heritage Foundation for putting up a fight against the legalized Democrat mafia and legalized corruption. Thank you so much, Hans von Spakovsky. Thank you. Great. Thanks for having me we'll be back with your calls and comments after this
3: clowns to the left meet jokers to the right here i am stuck in the middle with you
2: you know it's like when you were a kid and you're playing a game you. you could always tell who the you cheat is, is, is by the way is. they want to set up the rules so same thing in politics baby my problem my is the cheat when it comes to money is bipartisan the cheat when it comes to vote pfft, i think it's quite simple Take a look at those Democrat scoundrels. I mean, after all, no kidding, Chuck Schumer wants to legitimize same-day registration. I mean, if you're new to the country and you take a look at Chuck Schumer, do you not think he's a gargoyle on a library? I mean, who would vote for that guy except somebody who's benefiting from the corruption in New York? Fred Orland Park. Oh, is this Fred? Uh, Are you calling yes. for Friday Features with me? Yes, I am. All right, well, I went to you early. This is, we're still going to do the show. Thank you, Fred. I appreciate it. You're going to go back on hold. And we are going to have Friday Features with me if you care to participate. In the meantime, i got about, what, two minutes to discuss a little skullduggery? Did you know that the U.S. Virgin Islands, they have Congress-birthing peoples and others that are in Congress? You know what I love about them? First of all, it's a phony baloney section of America anyway. It's just a destination for beach goers. But the idea that they have such loyal Marxist mafia members, that they would have the audacity to pretend small businesses are not drowning I find laughable.
11: I'd like to thank my colleagues for all the good work that we have done to support American small businesses during the pandemic. Democrats working with President Biden have helped businesses to keep their lights on and employees on payroll. Biden's plan has enabled a remarkable rebound in small
2: business activity. If only that were true. Small business has dropped by 29%. In fact, if you go back a year... You're at 37% small businesses out of business, bankrupt, not to mention the fraud in the swindle of the PPP, which is what she's really lobbying for, more theft to more Democrat mafia areas. All right, I promise when I get back, Friday Features with me, plus I got some John Wayne clips you're going to love after this.
9: AM 560, the answer.
2: Let's all go to the Let's
15: go to the movie.
12: It's time for Friday Features with Sean. Now, on with the show.
2: All right, so it's Easter weekend. My mother-in-law is a devout person, so we are going to do Jesus of Nazareth, which she watches a lot. That is absolutely wonderful. Of course, there's Passion of the Christ. HBO Max, Tokyo Vice, Invisible Pilot. I recommend both of them very, very much. As far as laughter, Killing It is a new show on Peacock. I'll tell you what. It is hysterical. I highly recommend it. Fred Orland Park.
8: Hi, Sean. How are you doing? I got what? a recommendation. It's a documentator. Uh, so it's on Joseph Campbell, The Power of Myth, but Bill Moyers. It's a six series, and I suggest you watch Sacrifice and Bliss. Um, All right, I'm right now the Sacrifice. I,
2: I did not see this one either, The Power of Myth. It's six series? There's six of them? It's
8: six series. It was 1987 before Campbell had passed away. Uh, he emphasizes one: once you accept you're going to die, you learn how to live. Exactly, and I I noticed that with a lot of with the younger people, they're so afraid of COVID, and I have a niece that's frozen in time on this.
2: It's heartbreaking. And
8: I'm, and you know, it's it's unbelievable. Um, great things happen in life. You, you, it's going to happen. Everybody gets sick. Everybody gets old, and everyone's going to die. And what he emphasizes all the time. It's your individuality. If you follow somebody else's path in life, you're going to get lost. And
2: it's I had, true. I had an uncle who I adored fought in World War II. I mean, I loved the. I had four of them. But this one particularly particular, I mean, I loved them to death. And I was a little kid. And we were talking. Somebody had died. He goes, ah, what are you going to do? And he, you know, I said, are you going to go? You know, back then, you went to the wake. It was a three-day process. He said, listen, nobody gets out alive. Don't waste too much of your time on other people, he told me. And it just stuck with me. I was about eight years old. I'm like, wow, nobody gets out alive. What a great way to look at things. Thank you, Fred. I appreciate it. I'm going to enjoy it. Tom in Blue Island.
10: Hey, buddy. How are you? I'm, uh, I'm out here every day listening to you. We're just working long shifts. Good. You uh, mentioned uh, Harold Washington, so I thought I'd recommend Tootsie uh, as a little bit of an honorarium. To, Still, to uh,
2: better looking than Lori. Harold. Lightfoot. I mean, I would much rather have Tootsie. <laughs> Love you, than buddy, Lori Lightfoot. Thank you very much, Tom. Stay safe. And when he says working, you know, I mean, listen, I, I know it's not at a at a, at a at a gym or any kind of yoga studio. Susan Northbrook.
15: Hi, Sean. Hi. Um, my first film is Coda. Uh, which means um, ch- child of deaf adult, and it won the best picture show.
2: I yes, I saw the, the I saw this picture. on a banner. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So it was good, huh?
15: It's good. It's yeah. um, this high school girl. Uh, her family needs her to translate, and they've got this fishing boat, and their business is getting uh, the government's putting all these regulations, and the business is going under. But she has all this musical talent huh. and wants to go to musical music school.
2: All right. Very good. I'm going to watch it. Yeah. Very good. Thank you.
15: All right. And you got then a document, her, documentary? Uh, this is uh, like a cop show, uh, UKPD. And it <laughs> is on BBC America on Monday nights, uh, 11 p.m. And they run like four or five episodes. All right. And... This Derbyshire, it, it, it's as bad as Chicago for crime, if not worse. Really? And you know, I,
2: I, I, don't like those, I don't like those inbred limeys. But all right, I'm going to watch it. Thank you very much, Susan. I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> Teresa on the Gold Coast.
7: Hi, Sean. No movie tonight, but I'm going to do a documentary, um, Van Halen Breaking the Band. That's what I'm going to do tonight, with Michael
2: Anthony, David Lee Ross, Alex Van Allen, and Eddie Van Allen. Got it. I just yeah. remember, I, I mean, that was big, you know, when I was a kid, and I, I had a friend of mine, he was obsessed with this fracking thing. Oh. And then and then when those parachute pants came out, I told him, go ahead, wear them. I dare <laughs> you. In Melrose Park in the 80s, he'd ended up, yep. on, you kidding me? He'd ended up up a tree. Thank you very much, Teresa. I appreciate it. <laughs> Dan Prof could pull off the parachute. He still wears them. John Bridgeport hey sean
4: All right hey, first sean. time calling with movies because i'm not really into too many movies i just like like true stuff so uh-huh. the truth both are true stories dream horse set in england It's got tony coletti and then damian lewis you know he was in band of brothers as yeah he was so he's great i did not see- then, uh, oh you'll really like it it's something you're, you're pulling for the lady because she's uh-huh. a right, works at a tavern you know they have low yeah. income and she takes uh buys this horse that nobody wanted and then she, you know, just finally gets this guy to look at it that, uh, you know, can can assess tail. And he goes, hmm, you know what? He needs to know how to stop when when he has to stop and run when he has to run or something like that. But uh, so and then he she takes like gets all these people in the bar to take like a, a a part of, you know, helping to pay for the expense to get this horse trained and everything. And it's really great. You know, I, won't I love this,
2: but it, dream Dan. horse. Thank you. For and then wait, on. the
4: other one? And then yeah. the other movie, 13 Hours, the Benghazi uh, Sure, the I love
2: that movie. I love there Did you ever it. see when, when Hillary Clinton asked for movie suggestions on Twitter and a guy said 13 hours? Oh, I, I love it. <laughs> for, she was going to stay in because she had COVID. This is great stuff. John, I'll tell you another yeah. thing. I really only, not only, but I really enjoy when something's based on a true story. And when I would yeah. go to the cigar store every day, I don't watch any sports. None. So we would put on movies, and I would search all the streaming for True Story. They make the best movies, so I'm going to definitely watch it. Thank you for taking time to call, John. I appreciate it. Dave, I didn't mean to hang up on John, but, you know, Batavia.
11: Hey, Sean. Happy
2: blessed Easter to you and your family. Oh, I, same to you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that.
11: So I got a couple movies, uh, one futuristic and one in the past, but I think directly kind of foreshadows our current trend politically. Uh the first one is The Hunger Games. Yeah. Um and you know if all you have to do is watch these college protests of like uh Michael Knowles or yeah. uh any of those guys and see how crazy they all are to then is it really a stretch to see that The Hunger Games might be possible down there?
2: Or The Road. Did you ever watch the or movie The Road? The road? Abs-
11: absolutely. Yeah. And that's actually my second suggestion is the day after, which is way back in 1972, sure. kind of uh, about the apocalypse. And Probably one of the best lines in that is uh, the the keys have been turned, the missiles are going off, and John Lithgow comes out of the football stadium, and there's this clueless uh, grad student looking at these missiles going up in the air, and she goes, what is this? Like a warning or a test? <laughs> yeah,
2: this is the end. And uh, the saddest part is there's only going to be a handful of us that know that the uranium that was sold to Russia, which may nuke yeah, us, it, it, was it, done it, by yeah, Hillary speak Clinton. Speaking of t-
11: lovely Hillary, you bet. Oh, my word. And 13 hours, what a, I mean, how could you watch that? Not we should do it, a Hillary was,
2: documentary, the only woman on Earth that everybody sympathized with the husband who cheated. Thank you very much, Dave. I'll be back with the rest of your calls after this.
9: AM 560
2: The Answer <laughs> oh, I don't even like the music of this new era of totalitarian fascists Kevin, Texas Sean, how are you? Splendid
1: Excellent So my movie is Bonfire of the Vanities With Tom Hanks If you remember that movie it's I love now. that movie Remember that? I love it. And, how, it. and then once they were exposed, they all started, like, covering for each other. Who's and, the like, female lead? It's other. Demi Moore, right? I think Demi Moore's on it. She's yeah. one of the things. There, there's also uh, Kim Cattrall, who was, uh, when, when, she, right. uh, when she was
2: younger. Oh, yeah, when she was lovely, before she became a useful idiot in New York. Yes, love yeah, her. Exactly. And uh, Demi Moore, before she was brucetized. Yeah, that's wonderful. <laughs> Go ahead. What That's else you great got?
1: One. Thank you. The other one I got is, uh, it's a documentary. It's called Crip Camp. And what it's about is it's about how there was a uh, a camp in the early 70s for children with, who had disabilities, oh. and they got to know each other. And what they did by going to know each other, and it was like run by a, this guy who was a hippie, but it was all about to, for them to inclusion when inclusion meant, you know, let's – the People, kids who were born with disabilities, let's love it. them and let them get and all that. And then, so what they did is they all got together as they got older, and they started uh, the uh, disability rights movement. And that's why you have parking, uh, you know, love uh, handicap it. parking. Got that's nervous. where you got? To, in, in, I am a little nervous. That's
2: when you know when you said to, when you said Crip Camp, I thought it was going to be about the blue scarf and the red scarf and shooting in the faces and whatnot. Thank you, Kevin, in Austin, Texas. I got to make time here. We got to go to Meatloaf in a little while. David Lansing, worst comedian on radio. <laughs>
4: uh,
1: hey, Sean, I have no jokes today, but my movie. You, you have no jokes is, any day. Go ahead. But, all right. My, my movie to not watch is Waterworld. It's horrible.
2: It's How dare you speak against John Dutton? <laughs> Kevin Costner is the most underrated actor in films. I highly recommend Waterworld. You're going to be living it soon. Ron Come Valparaiso. On, man. Hi, Ron.
12: Hey, Jason. Uh Good to talk to you again. I I'm going to recommend three quick movies.
2: All right, Heat, take your time. Take your time. I hung up on David and Lance, and we got a minute. Go
12: ahead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Heat, Ronan, and the Score by my, one of the actors I absolutely despise, Robert, Robert De Niro. Yeah. But you know, it just shows his personality of what what roles he plays. He's
2: a thief and a murderer in these books. Yeah, I, 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 I so feel the really same shit. way. I can separate. I can separate the guy. And when he does Raging Bull, that's one of my all-time favorites. I can separate oh, yes. it because here's the thing. You have to remember, Ron, we're talking about people so void of personalities, they give themselves awards for imitating somebody's. So I don't get to take them, their opinion too seriously. Excellent call. Thank you very much. All right, I got one more. Then it's time for Meatloaf. Tom Sherville. Yeah, how about Sean? Do you remember Ford Apache, the Bronx? Of course, I do. Fantastic, love it. Paul Newman, Paul Newman, Pam Greer, and then you know I got I got if I'm gonna if I'm gonna watch Paul Newman, and I love I love Paul Newman. There's something where I have to do a Steve McQueen right after. I have to do a Steve McQueen after a Paul Newman. Uh, I don't know if you feel the same, but I like bullets. Oh yeah, the, right do on. the Hunter
12: 1980, Steve McQueen's last movie.
2: I wanted that green jacket that he wore in that movie so much, I might have begged my mother for it. Thank you very much, Tom. Always a good call. And now it's going to be time for my favorite anthem performed by an actor who also is underrated and somebody who could hold his own with not just Macbeth but could stand next to Pritzker and look thin, My Man Meatloaf. Now, if you're going to be in Chicago, have a great Easter, but stay In the house. Don't let your kids wander around. It's very dangerous there. It is, after all, a Democrat utopia that they've ruined over a hundred years.
3: broad stripes and bright stars.
2: your heart, not fondling your left breast. Macbeth. you sick son of a gun. Everybody else, have a great weekend. I've had fun. We'll talk to you next week.
0: Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He
1: was one of the most respected generals in the military.
0: Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.